I walked in today. Well, that's not true. I was already here. Jay walked in today. And the first thing he said to me was, who's teaching? I said, I am. And he's like, oh, are you just, you're just going to change later? It's like, no, this is happening. It hits 85 degrees and all bets are off. No pants. Shoes are optional. I got my flippy floppies on up here. I've never done this before and it feels great. I don't know what I've been waiting for. It's like 12 years in. Um, <laughs> didn't know I had legs until today. Uh, we, we, as um, Matt as Matt mentioned at the beginning of tonight, uh, we, we wrapped up our series last week where we were going through Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, which um, I was looking forward to when we finally decided to do it, but I really enjoyed going through that series. I hope that you found something uh, helpful and beneficial in that series. Um, but now it's over. And we are in between series. We're probably not going to start our new series until July. Um, so for the this week and next week, uh, because in two weeks we're at the park, but this week and next week, we're, we're just going to be talking about, um, I'm just going to be talking about kind of short, a short reflection each week on whatever I want to talk about, which sounds fun to me. Hopefully, it'll be fun for you. We'll see. If not, uh, you're welcome, and uh, you're accepted here just as you are. Uh, so yesterday, I posted a short reflection on the social medias that I had, and then like an hour later, I was like, dang it, that's, that's a talk I want to give. Uh, so I'm going to anyway. So some of you already saw this, um, but I'm going to read it, read what I wrote yesterday to launch us into kind of a broader thought. Um, so here we go. In second grade, my friend named Jeremy died. Um, around this time last year, I moved back to the, to the neighborhood where I grew up. And uh, so yesterday morning, I biked down to my old elementary school to try to find uh, this memorial. Uh, I've thought about it a lot um, throughout my life. I thought about coming back to try to find it um, a lot. And so I finally decided to. And uh, it doesn't look like much. It, that used to be brass or gold or whatever turns that color eventually. Uh, and now it's just this plaque in this random slab of cement, um, which, you know, that's still beautiful, but it used to have this, um, what I remember as a seven-year-old to be a huge picnic table on it. Um, it's gone. <laughs> it's just a slab of cement now, but it's still there. Uh, it's been almost 30 years since he died. And it's been almost 30 years since I've been back at that spot. Um, I transferred to a different school for third grade. Um, so I honestly don't remember the last time I was there. But all my memories of this place are through my five to seven-year-old eyes. And uh, I was talking to Marshall about this this afternoon. I don't know if you've ever had the experience revisiting a place from your childhood decades later as an adult, but it is trippy. It is so weird. It was so weird to see how these huge playgrounds and what I remember to be this expansive blacktop, how those things are actually really small. And it was surreal to find this tribute to my friend, though certainly not in the best of shape, still there. My friend Jeremy had a litany of health issues. Uh, he was nonverbal. He was confined to a wheelchair. I remember it was like, it was this very, very cool blue wheelchair. And I always thought how cool it was that he got a blue wheelchair. Blue was my favorite color, obviously. Um, 
And I'm sure I didn't do this every morning, but I remember often waiting in the morning in front of the school, waiting for his bus to arrive so that I could wheel him into class with me. And I have a few memories of pushing him around uh, in the gym or out on that, what I remember to be an expansive blacktop during recess. And I, I've never forgotten the sound of his laugh because it's unlike any laugh I've ever heard in my life. And he loved it. He would laugh so hard when we would go fast. So like to get down into the gym at this school, it's like a couple ramps and we would just <laughs> free, free sail it down. Well, what I remember to be free sailing down those ramps and he loved it. And it was so much fun to make him laugh. And if you're anything like me now, that memory is like, a little bit off-putting. Like the idea that I was allowed as a very mischievous, like I was not a good kid in elementary school. I was a very mischievous seven-year-old. Being allowed to wheel around this very vulnerable classmate of mine seems like a bad idea. But it happened several times and we both loved it. I vividly remember the morning um, that our teacher, Mrs. Franklin, told us that Jeremy had died. I remember going to the funeral with my mom uh, I still know where the funeral home is. Every time I pass it, I think of his funeral. I remember seeing him in the casket. That was the first person that I had ever seen in the casket that wasn't like my great-grandmother. I remember the first time I forgot that he died and I waited for his bus, um, forgetting that he, he wouldn't be on it. And I remember when the school unveiled this memorial for my friend that is now just a slab of cement. It was meant to be a little place to come enjoy being outside because that's what Jeremy loved and enjoyed doing, just being outside. There's something so pure about joy, especially the joy of kids. As an adult, I am often so worried, so worried about what could go wrong that I rob myself and others of these moments of joy. Like I said, I can't believe, looking back on it now, that I was allowed to push my friend around, that I was allowed to have these experiences with Jeremy. And I know that if I saw the same thing happening now, if I saw a seven-year-old pushing <laughs> a kid confined to a wheelchair down a ramp, I would probably first look around and be like, why isn't anyone doing anything about this? And then I would quickly try to put a stop to it, I'm sure. And in doing so, I would rob two kids of one of those moments, those pure moments of joy that become increasingly rare as we age. My friend Jeremy's life was, was short and it was hard. And he deserved those moments of pure unhindered joy. And thinking about that yesterday while I stood there, I, I'm grateful that I got to be a part of a few of them with him. All of this, to me was a good reminder to not let fear squash joy. And it made me wonder, where am I, where am I doing this now? If like just imagining this scenario as myself today gives me anxiety and makes me think that I would put a stop to this joyful experience, where am I doing this in my actual life? Where am I letting my fear choke out joy before it even has a chance? And I think that's probably a good question for all of us to ask every so often. Where is your, what is your fear keeping you from? Where are your attempts to protect and control and mitigate pain robbing you and others from joy? 
What is your fear preventing you from saying yes to? Or maybe saying no to? What is the Holy Spirit churning up in you and leading you toward that, that your fear is causing you to resist? Maybe it's finally coming clean about some patterns of sin in your life and, and getting help. Maybe it's reaching out to that estranged and strained relationship that you think about every so often. Maybe it's making difficult choices about your job or your relationship or your family. In those scenarios, there's always this endless list of what if questions, right? What if I make the wrong choice? What if it's really difficult and really painful? What if I'm rejected? What if it turns out that I'm not good enough or strong enough or capable? What if I or people I love get hurt because of this? What if, what if, what if? This is an endless cycle of what ifs that fear can trap you into. And that trap is a trap that um, I am very skilled at falling into. Like I can come up with uh, contingent scenarios of any situation to the nth degree, even though most of them will never ever happen. And so the older I get, the more I appreciate these words from Jesus that we find uh, near the beginning of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I have come back to this passage, I don't know how many times since 2020, but like at least five or six times just this year. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. You can wear shorts and teach, it's fine. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No. But you know what we can do by worrying? Take hours off of our lives. That's not Jesus, sorry. That's just me inserting some things. Back to what Jesus was saying. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I really love the message translation of those last two verses, which reads like this, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes. 
Now you might read this and think, like, I'm not worried about food, I'm not worried about clothes. I'm worried about pandemics. I'm worried about war. I'm worried about um, racial and political divides. I'm worried about my kids being indoctrinated. I'm worried about <laughs> uh, my job being gone. I'm not worried about food and clothes. That's my initial reaction to this. And I think that's because we live in such a <laughs> privileged time, I guess you could say. Like for most of the history of humanity, what you would eat and, and shelter from the elements clothing was not something that was just like considered to be taken care of. And not that that's even true for any of us, all of us here, but it's the thing that my mind first thinks like, I'm not worried about food or clothes. I'm worried about such bigger things than that. But if you think about it, those are like the only things worth worrying about because without them, you will die. But Jesus closes this thought and makes it clear that when talking about fear and whether it rules our lives or not, it all, it kind of all comes down to trust. Do you trust that what I just read to you is true? The very last thing he says from the message, don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Do you believe that? I want to. I want to believe this. I want to live more into this reality. So much more than the anxiety-ridden, joyless reality of fear. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we should ignore our fear outright. I'm not saying that we should try to eradicate all fears um, or that we're wrong for feeling fear. Fear is natural. It's normal. It can be a really good thing alerting us uh, to danger, especially when it comes to snakes. Where we get into trouble is when we let that fear completely dominate our lives, right? So will you let fear and the endless what ifs continue to squash joy in your life and the lives of people around you? Or will you lean into trust and act in courage? That's the question that I felt like I was confronted with yesterday. And it's a question I think is important for us to ask ourselves every so often. Because together as a community, we're not going to be able to join God to incite love and reduce suffering and increase joy when we're letting our fear control us. So where is fear controlling you? Where is fear robbing you of those rare moments of pure unhindered joy? Will you continue to let it or will you trust these words of Jesus? God will help you when the time comes. Will you trust those words and have courage and take action? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for um, simple reminders that we are not in control. Simple reminders to not live so with such clenched fists. But God, to let go of trying to control everything in fear. 
God, I know that there are some of us here with big decisions looming that we are, um, that we don't want to make, that we are putting off, that we are scared to face. God, I don't know what those things are, but I pray that you would give us the courage to live. Give us the courage to take leaps, to move forward and to not sit motionless in fear. God, thank you for the gift of each other and thank you for those moments of joy that permeate our lives and make life worth living. We love you, God. Amen.